Hello and welcome to One Rep at a Time. And yes, it's time for our interview episode. Today, I have someone special. This is Shona Prabhu. Shona Prabhu is a co-founder of Nutrify My Diet and is a practicing sports and wellness nutritionist. So we have a sports nutritionist over here and um, we got the opportunity to ask her many questions about how what sports nutrition is and how it varies from uh, you know the regular sort of nutrition. We've had nutritionists on the show before, but having a sports nutritionist on added a sort of different angle. A little bit more about Shona. She her. Uh, she's worked for athletes at the national, state and Olympic levels, uh, the uh, Indian uh, uh, hockey teams, both men and women. She's worked for the, uh, she's been the sports nutritionist for the Delhi Capitals uh, IPL team, been part of a couple of ISL teams as well. So, uh, and and of course, a lot of top level CEOs and CXOs as well. So, um Sort of like uh, this is a very interesting conversation because we saw the different aspects of nutrition and there are lots of tips in terms of how we can, uh, as everyday people, apply some of those learnings to our own lives and our own diets and all that. So I hope you enjoy this episode. That's on the other side of this. Welcome to One Rep at a Time, a podcast from CultFit that encourages you to become a healthier, better and happier version of yourself by building small, sustainable habits. Let's welcome your host, Deepak Gopalakrishnan or Chuck. Hi, Shona. Thank you for doing this with us and welcome to One Rep at a Time. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely. Um, you know, I like starting these interviews by um, allowing the guests to just talk about themselves a little bit more because I think that sets context for listeners. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you went from studying uh, sports science to running your own venture to being the sports nutritionist for national level franchise teams. So that entire journey seems fascinating. Would love you to take us through that. Yeah, so... You know, I'm a very social person. I like meeting people, uh, just, you know, uh, talking to them. And I also like food. I've always been interested uh, in food. Looking back, you know, uh, as always keen to know how to make things. And I'd, I love, I'd love to be in the grocery stores, actually, spending a lot of my time there. So, um, you know, and I also like traveling as a person. But like just, you know, taking the first two uh, likes that I have, which is food and meeting people. Uh, nutrition seemed like a good choice then, uh, though I didn't know I wanted to take it as a career stream. But while I studied my BSc at Mount Carmel's, um, this was one of the subjects, you know, in the course. And uh, it was something that I was interested in and wanted to give it a shot and then decide at the end of three years what I'd actually, you know, uh, go in for as a career. But so uh, so nutrition happened, you know, like that. And uh, I went on to study sports nutrition, uh, you know, in the UK, because I knew very early on that I didn't want to work in a hospital setup. So I was exploring other, you know, options. Um, and I was uh, an athlete myself. I used to play, um, you know, badminton at the national level. So um, I understood, you know, very early on, then there's a connection between, uh, you know, the food you eat and how your body performs. And uh, though while I was training, then sports nutrition was a concept very new to me. So I didn't really gain too much from it. Uh, though, you know, just based on the reading I was doing, I did have some fair knowledge. But uh, so that's how I got, you know, into studying sports nutrition. And um, when I started my career, 
the company that I worked for. Um, after a year, um, you know, into it, I took up their franchisee. And that gave me a lot of experience to sort of, um, you know, figure out how the company works and uh, what I sort of the sort of um, inputs or that um, uh, guidance I needed to, you know, if I wanted to start something on my own, I sort of had the uh, experience of that. So uh, since I wanted to do a lot of work um, with, uh, you know, the sports side of things, um, I decided at that point that, you know, why not give it a shot and see how I'd be able to do it myself. And that's how I started my company. And I guess then it's just a matter of, you know, um, being in the right place at the right time, um, having uh, um, that experience of working with athletes. Mm -hmm. And when you do good work, you do get recommendations, uh, referrals. And uh, that also led me to work with some institutes, uh, the Inspire Institute of Sport, uh, which is a high performance center in Bellari. Uh, you know, close to that yeah. place. So, you know, then when you're working with uh, a lot of different professionals, one thing leads to the other. And that's how I landed up, uh, uh, you know, working with uh, national level teams. I have a very interesting story. Maybe we can keep it, uh, sure. you know, uh, at some point. Teaser. during the conversation Yeah, a good teaser. yeah. I'm going to just make a note <laughs> of this interesting of story. How I, yeah. yeah, of how I actually got to work with my first national team. Okay, so we'll come to that. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting. Well, that's that's very interesting. It's 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 fascinating to me uh, that uh, and we uh, just like talk a little bit about this before jumping into the topic proper. Uh, I remember one guy who had taken a massage from once. He was telling me he had dreams of uh, you know uh, being the team mass massio for one of the IPL teams or something mm -hmm. like that, and he was trying to pitch himself to one of the local associations. So it's quite fascinating. That made me think about okay, how there are so many different roles apart from the players and the uh, coaching staff themselves so uh, is this yes. something that is relatively new as a practice where you at least in this country i'm sure in the west it's been around for a lot longer where uh, athletes or the players are starting to take their diet a lot more seriously or is this something that has always been there as a practice or, or is, is it only recently that it started becoming more scientific uh, well see i've been in the field now for the last decade yeah so it's that uh, i can see at that point when i joined sports nutrition was just sort of uh, you know emerging as a field um and people were getting a little more uh knowledgeable uh, knowledgeable right. about it they were curious and so it started uh mainly then and um uh, prior to this uh, uh and you know even when i joined actually there are very few companies that actually deal with sports nutrition even today um in india there apart from working at the government setups which is sai um, you know the sports authority of india right. there are very few organizations that actually recruit sports nutritionists so i would say the field is you know uh, relatively new in india and uh, and people are now more aware so it is picking up uh, yeah yeah, this is uh, fascinating. And I remember, so I'm a big fan of, um, uh, uh, you know, ro uh, rock and metal music. And one of the things I was reading about some of these old bands uh, that are touring is that they carry their own nutritionist with them. And to me, that was kind of fascinating that, you know, you even have these international musicians and uh, rock bands that travel with their own nutritionist who, uh, who tailors their diet in some ways, depending on whether they have a performance that day, how strenuous things are going to be and things like that. So it just makes me think that hey not all food and not all diet plans are sort of uh, uh, created
created the uh, created a sort of like the same and the second question i have for you is kind of related to that so in one of your past roles you have a very interesting description for it on linkedin and i'm just going to quote from that design nutrition plans for national and international level athletes as well as senior level executives now to mm-hmm. me this is quite the range of audiences in some sense so i'm really curious to know between the two right you have athletes on one hand and you have i'm assuming cxos on the other hand what was similar and what was different yeah so let me start with what's different sure. okay so uh, athletes need a higher calorie intake most of the time okay because uh, let's think of it this way for uh, an average person who you know wants to exercise and keep fit yeah. uh, four or five hours in the week is like a good target to hit right and you yeah. consider that like a good workout week um, but for an athlete they can easily hit four hours a day Yeah. training um just training right? so, not even playing yeah uh, and it could be one single session it could be split into two but yeah. still they spend that much time in a day so their bodies definitely need a lot more in terms of energy and we get that energy through eating the right foods right so that's one um, you know difference but otherwise the similarities are both uh, with respect to getting back to the basics of how mm. they need to eat uh because whether you're an olympic level athlete or whether you're uh, you know a ceo or uh, you know at the top of the organization it really comes down to basics and uh, what you need to sort of um, you know uh, get in terms of your carbohydrates proteins and fats though they may differ based on you know the individual person um, it comes down to that so that's the uh, similarity in both of them very interesting in fact we had an olympic athlete on the show a while back uh, at the time of recording it's still to be released but we had spoken to nisha millet who uh, represented india in, oh, okay. the, uh, in the olympics yeah. uh, swimming uh, in 2000 and she said more or less kind of like the same thing. i'm i'm very curious to know what sort of a calorie intake for a uh, athlete like i'm for, for the the person who you had outlined person who's working out yes. that good work week i'm assuming this would be for a male it would be something like 1800 to 2000 calories a day if you are uh, looking yeah. do a calorie deficit so for an athlete what would that be uh it easily be somewhere around 3000 and above wow okay so i know there was you know these rounds going out about uh, michael phelps calorie intake yeah, during yeah. the olympics i'm sure everyone yeah. you know read yeah, that because yeah. it was somewhere on the lines of 8 or 10000 yeah he's a huge guy and swimmers burn a lot of calories now yeah. i can't really you know uh, certainly say that maybe <laughs> it was that much but uh when we make nutrition plans like especially for adolescent um you know athletes are uh, between the ages of say 13 to 18 their calorie requirements are really a lot because mm. one is their uh they expend a lot of energy with their workouts but they're also growing at that part yeah you know that phase of their life so you need enough energy to grow as well so their calorie intake definitely uh, increase but yeah uh, short answer it's you know 3500 yeah, yeah. yeah. in those ranges and above yeah fascinating i remember seeing this uh, uh one youtube video about the world's strongest men those strongman competition that uh-huh. happens in the west and those guys were on a you know on a almost daily diet of 10000 to 15000 calories which is kind of crazy and they had to their breakfast consisted had to consume a lot of chocolate because it was the only way they could get in that much amount and then they'd work it off later it's kind of crazy yeah, but so it's kind of fascinating it's, yeah it's true like when you um meet such huge amount of calories when you have to meet it everything can't always come through healthy food yeah you know uh, sometimes you have to sneak in a chocolate or some dessert yeah. here and there just one cuz uh, it's not easy to eat 
person looking to lose weight or just get fitter is there anything that they can inculcate in their lives from there yeah uh, definitely and i'll you know get to that but uh, just like with sports nutrition uh, we focus a lot on uh, the timing of nutrients that you know are coming uh, right. we focus on the combination of foods and also the quantity and frequency of how often certain foods need to be in mm. their diet and also hydration supplements is a big part of it um you know um so right now when we're uh, talking about say the uh, you know timing of foods uh, it's important um how fast it gets in like after you finished um you know say a workout or a uh, training session um you need to have your protein within maybe 30 minutes to 1 hour right right because you can do it even later but then your body doesn't uh, use it as efficiently Uh, also uh, eating before your training session you can do it depending mm. on what food and what session you have you maybe would start uh, needing to fuel 2 hours before 1 hour before half an hour before so you know that so that's what i mean by timing and again the combination of food uh, whatever you eat you need to really maximize uh, your body's intake of it right it needs to absorb it well so for example like how regular people might have uh, tea or coffee with their breakfast or lunch dinner meals uh that's very common habit yeah right now when you do that uh, your absorption of nutrients really um gets hampered so um you know for a, a sports athlete we wouldn't really recommend stuff like that so that's what i mean by combination of foods got right? it and then uh, the other thing is about frequency so um with a sports athlete uh, sometimes they need to eat uh, a certain amount of food just because it's a certain type of food because it's healthy for them so maybe they do more brown rice they do more like fish now fish has a good omega 3 fats so for them to recover and because it's anti inflammatory maybe they need to do it three times a week so so we sort of plan these things a little more rather mm-hmm. than just saying okay it's random you know today i <laughs> this week i ate I fish like, twice yeah. next week i ate it once and yeah, the other feelings and all of yeah. those are not always associated so we do take that into consideration but that's um certainly the main difference and um when if you ask you know your next question was what can the regular yeah. audience sort of you know take in from sports nutrition uh one i would definitely say is um to eat good quality protein sources okay because i think i was also um you know listening to one of your conversations with chantni who yeah. is the calfit uh, right and uh, so she also mentioned about having good quality lean protein sources and um in india uh, most uh, most of us don't get enough protein um you know good quality protein mm. so that's one because uh, whether you're an athlete or a non athlete your body has a lot to do in terms of repair growth right so it's not only related to you know muscle building and all of that protein has these basic functions as well and um athletes uh, you know they they are disciplined about the amount of fried foods they eat the sweets they eat um alcohol tea coffee so i think if all of us can be you know a little disciplined about those things yeah. so enjoy but 
also know when to sort of draw the line when mm-hmm. it's starting to interfere with your health so i think these are two aspects that we can take from sports yeah i think that's uh, I, <laughs> i think that's uh, that's a great lesson uh, 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 just there uh, i want to ask you something slightly related to that um how does food intake or requirements change depending on exercise um you said for example 4 5 days a week so does uh, would you recommend the same sort of diet for all days or does something change on the days when the exercise happens do you change it depending on strength versus cardio um just things that the average person should keep in mind yeah that's a very good question chuck so um you know so you can do different kinds of activity right it could be something um as relaxing as yoga sure. it could be a crossfit session or mm-hmm. it could be like a long endurance based session like a 10 15 k run so if you compare someone so the amount of time one may spend may be say 1 hour but based on the intensity yeah. your fueling needs to change that's if you're doing something uh, very light and gentle like say maybe a yoga session a walk uh, you know just a, a brisk walk uh, we don't need to do a lot of pre and post mm. fueling okay or like a lot of people might think uh, just because they've done a one hour session they need to go and grab a protein shake after you know the workout but it's not really necessary so or um, again just because they look at it from a duration perspective they feel okay i've got to eat something before to fuel my workout but it may not be necessary but on the other hand uh, one hour of a swim is a very big calorie burner so that person would be wise if they actually had something pre workout in terms of like a banana or something high in carbohydrate at least that's the mm. minimum to you know begin with and after they work out they definitely need to hydrate uh, you know um, get their proteins back so uh, that's how it sort of differs right and for an athlete every day of the week is not the same training uh like maybe they train yeah. very hard four days of the week there'll be a rest day there'll be like a recovery rest sort of day so what athletes do is they um you know we call this periodization but the carbohydrates or the macro one of the macronutrients that changes based on their activity levels is carbohydrates okay so when you are actually doing a very um high intensity workout or you're spending long hours at a medium or high intensity pace then you need to up your carbohydrate intake otherwise you you know you won't recover well enough for your next day if you want to do right. a similar session but if you are doing something very gentle then you need to cut back on your carbohydrates so based on that you sort of choose the fueling options that are right. required right that's interesting what do you feel about um fuel during a workout and uh, okay let me give you a specific example um mm-hmm. i cycle a lot uh, for instance and i often and i'm not sure quite quite sure if this is a good practice so you can correct me if i'm doing something wrong no. i usually uh, <laughs> i start off early in the day and it tends to be one of the long rides like 50 70 uh, 100k sometimes uh, so mm-hmm. stop sometime halfway during the day there are particular areas in the city where i stop have like some uh, let's say not the healthiest of food Indian but it tends breakfast. to be yeah uh, <laughs> So, so yeah i mean it's uh, tends to be uh, dosa and idli or uh, vada even from particular stalls that i know that uh, are there across the uh, uh, across the right and uh, it at some point i treat it just as a you know sort of like a ritual like i've done this right till now let's stop over here take a break and then go uh, yeah. but one is that healthy two is that even needed and three sort of like a sub question to that is i've seen people use these energy gels and energy not bars as much but of those uh, those little sachets that you get yeah. um 
are those useful at all? I've seen runners try them, for instance. Um, so yeah, the multifaceted question, I guess, over there. Yeah, okay. There are three parts to I'll answer that. So yeah. one, is that practice healthy? Um, yes, it's necessary for you to sort of stop and refuel before you do the next half of your, you know, right. cycling. Um, you know, so now again, when you stop, you can either eat like a vada, you can eat idli, you can mm-hmm. have masala dosa, right? So out of these, obviously, you know, um, eating something that's easily digestible is better because you're, um, you know, still going to put in some effort right. cycling and you shouldn't have any uh, gut sort of disturbances while you're doing it because that's the last thing you want. Right, so, right. Um, right. So sort of listen to your body. Maybe one bada may actually not do too much harm at that point. But if, but you have to choose that meal wisely, but it's important right. to sort of, you know, refuel. Mm. Right? And um, uh, next, so I think I answered like the yeah, party yeah, yeah. of that. But also with respect to energy gels, um, so not a lot of people can, uh, you know, eat something like that and continue to say cycle. Okay, now, uh, in your case, you sort of stopped mm. and you're doing a little more relaxed sort yeah. of, you know, cycling. You're not bound under a certain time but when you're doing it uh say if you're doing a race a 50k right, race right. um you still need to refuel you still need to eat something because uh humanly you can't just do 100ks without yeah. you know refueling that's where the gels come into picture right so they give you like what an idli would actually give you in the form of a gel right so that's where it becomes useful for professional athletes and those who are actually you know uh competing and racing okay so Having said that, you could also do it, but um, you shouldn't like just misuse the amount of gels that you consume because they're really small and you won't. So you have to sort of practice, understand, Mm. um, you know, you either do the gel or you do your breakfast. So sort of feel it like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, uh, And I will keep that in mind as well. uh, The next time I I go for one of those rides. Uh, So over the last couple of years, and here's where I want to start talking about food information or rather misinformation really um over the past few years aided by both information that comes from the internet and misinformation that uh, and claims really that comes from the internet people have been subject to all different kinds of diets right it's become trendy to talk about keto if omad and things like that now i'd like to believe that the best diet is one that you can actually stick to and what mm-hmm. works for one person might not necessarily work for somebody else i know for example friends of mine who found keto extremely useful for them and i know people who couldn't take it beyond a couple of days because of the keto flu and whatever it is different bodies working differently so my question to you is again i'm not going to ask you to rank diets or something because i think by now i have told the listeners of the show enough it varies from person to person but the question i really have for you is what advice would you have for people to help them find the right diet for themselves be it keto be it if be it something else totally yeah so this is interesting because you know we have a lot of uh, clients that come to us who follow different, you know, diets. Right. Uh, some of which you mentioned, like keto, IF, OMAD, you know, vegan, gluten free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they still come to us, and you know, some of them have uh, seen good results following one of these. Some haven't. But at the end of it, uh, they come back saying that you know what, I can't sustain it, mm. or I can't do this long term. So I feel one of the best diets one can get for themselves is something that they can sustain long term. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so while we focus on that, uh, it's important to find then what's the right combination of foods that, uh, you know, is sustainable for you and also helps meet your health goals. 
right? So it could be a combination of two things. It could be like, um, you know, um, say a high protein diet, but which also focuses more on eating plant protein foods. Yeah. It could be something that is gluten free for some. And it, it doesn't mean that um, yeah everyone has to go dairy free, gluten free or, you know, mm. switch. Uh, some can digest milk very easily and their products. Yeah. Uh, some can't. So that's the expert's job to sort of figure out what's actually right by asking the right questions. Yeah. Right. Very often we're not able to do that ourselves and we're sort of mimicking what our friends have done, what we've read over the Internet and Google. But uh, when you work with an expert, um, then they're able to ask you the right questions and then figure out what's probably the best, you know, sustainable diet for you going forward. Yeah, uh, the uh, the key word over there, obviously, being sustainable and completely on board with you for that. There's no point doing a diet just for a couple of weeks. And Chuck, uh, also just to add to this, we do look at, you know, your blood work, yeah, look at yeah. symptoms that you have. So also body composition. So while we also have some other metrics um, to look into and then figure out, yeah, what's the right, you know, uh, diet for you going forward. Great. In fact, my next question has that exact word metric. So for sports nutrition and athletes, I'm guessing that, you know, it's very important to do daily tracking of various metrics and biomarkers and all that. So um, many of this may not be necessary for the average person. So what are the things that the, what are the numbers, metrics that the average person uh, should focus on? How do they go about doing the stuff that they do daily stuff that they do maybe once a year? Any insight on that? Yeah, so see, the simplest thing that one can do is do is to do a blood test. Okay. Right? So um, at least either uh, half yearly or yearly, uh, because a blood test provides a lot of insights and you can catch a lot of, uh, you know, conditions uh, very early on. Okay, so for example, uh, pre-diabetes, right. Right? It's, um, it's something that even the younger, you know, generation or um, those between the ages of like below 35 are prone to now, which was sort of unheard of uh, at our parents' age, that generation. So catching pre-diabetes is something that uh, is very easy to do via blood tests. And you may not necessarily have symptoms to, you know, uh, to watch out for at that stage. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times we've, we've uh, you know, figured out certain medical conditions uh, for our clients because we've asked them to do a blood test. Mm. Okay, um, so also thyroid-related issues, um, cholesterol, like all of these uh, can be easily determined by a blood test and it's uh, easy, uh, accessible. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing one can do is, um, you know, also get a body assessment done just to see where you stand right, in yeah. terms of your body um, composition. So just because one is lean or slim doesn't mean that they have the best yeah. body composition, right? And if you're someone who wants to get into fitness or um, who wants to drop a few kgs, it's good to know where you stand. So, uh, you know, gyms offer like, a, you know, a body composition scan. There's also DEXA and uh, other things, but uh, there are also like portable ones I've heard that are yeah. available now. So yeah. if you have enough number of people, they come to your location <laughs> and do it. So, you know, it's um, that's also something. And uh, more recently, uh, it's all over Instagram, but uh, you may have heard of uh, this uh, device called Ultra Human. Of course. Yes, of course. Right? I did so, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So th that's a continuous glucose monitor. Right. And uh, what that helps us understand is what your sort of uh, uh, real time sugar readings are. And I this is um, an important, uh, you know, aspect because a lot of medical conditions like um, obesity, 
or just um, you know a heart disease diabetes stem from uncontrolled uh, sugar readings or uncontrolled uh, or misbalanced sugar levels and so this is one device that can help uh, monitor this at real time so you sort of know what changes your uh, you know, you may need to do so. It's uh, it's sort of um, easy for even a lay person to sort of yeah. use and understand. Yeah, I, I completely agree. In fact, the ultra human is actually a pretty cool device, and it's kind of fascinating to see that there are just so many different kinds of devices uh, are coming out. And I do believe that the next decade, health tech in general uh, is going to be big, not just uh, the pharmaceutical kinds, but the over-the-counter types. And they're going to see all kinds of new interesting devices that help us know our bodies in some sense a little better. So one slightly related question I have on this is, uh, and I think you had touched upon this a little bit, but there are these sums. Uh, so uh, you can get your body composite done absolutely through DEXA and uh, most gyms do have that uh, uh, that uh, scale that tells you how much visceral fat, etc. you have. But there are also some cheaper ones that are available for for home in fact i have one of those for 2000 bucks that tells me uh, how much fat and uh, muscle water etc i have and i'm constantly fascinated by how it's able to do that by just me standing on top of it so uh, how one of course how reliable is uh, are things like that and two should we even bother with uh, things like that or should we just wait till we go for a once a year um, you know some, something that's slightly more comprehensive uh, so see, uh, you know, these uh, sort of machines that you do get for home usage and all of that, uh, I don't feel they're, they're not 100% accurate for sure, but it definitely gives you a trend line. Sure. Right. So I think that's more mm. important to look at. So we're then, not looking at 100% accuracy. So some it. of these. Uh, you know, weighing scales we use at the clinics as well. And we don't claim that we have the best, you know, sure, machine sure. to determine your body composition. Sure. But what it helps us understand is uh, what sort of effect has this nutrition plan had Got on it. the body composition, Got it. right? So whether you are, you know, your body fat is 25 or you're 23, it, it may not give you that accuracy, but mm. at least I know it's dipped from X something. value to Y value. Right, right. And if you really want to be 100% sure, then uh, you can do something like a DEXA scan. Yeah. Right? It's sort of very similar to if uh, you go in for an MRI. Yeah. Right. So it's that kind of a process and it takes about maybe 10 minutes to do, but it'll give you a very, like that's the gold standard. So yeah. uh, there are these, um, you know, uh, places that do it. And so if someone's really interested to know a very specifically what their body composition is you can do that and at some points we do recommend it to you know athletes because we want to know um you know proper data with respect to that got it what are levels and i promise is the last uh, numbers and metrics sort of question i'll ask you what are good numbers to aim for for the regular person so the, the fat percentage visceral fat percentage there are so many of these numbers really so what's a good uh percentage to aim for be it a cheap device at home be it a dexa scan what are good numbers for a regular yeah. person to aim for so i think uh, for men when it comes to uh, body composition some uh, and especially uh, fat percentage right yeah. you're looking somewhere between 10 and 20 okay and if you're somebody over the ages of 45 then a little bit leniency up to like the early 20s sure. right? and for women it's somewhere between 20 to 30 got it and this is for like an average you know uh, uh, person who likes to keep fit 
Uh, for athletes, those numbers could dip a little sure. uh, lower than the lower end of that range. But um, that's like a good number to keep. And, um, you know, when it comes to um, uh, weight, that really is very uh, subjective. It depends. There's no one sort of number. Mm -hmm. That's why we have the BMI. Right. Right? Because it's a range. Uh, so you can be, uh, say, 165 centimeters and your ideal weight can range anywhere from, say, 53 to 67. Sure. So it depends what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And whatever weight you are, you need to feel healthy from within. You need to feel energetic yeah. um, and comfortable within your body because that's the only place you can live in yeah. truly. <laughs> yeah, truly. Right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, these are just some you know numbers that one can keep in mind yeah i think that's i think that's uh good uh i i, I want to talk about your excellent uh instagram uh, account and i'd uh encourage anyone who's keen on uh, living a little healthier just get some interesting tips and all that to follow uh at nutrify my diet which will be linked out in the notes of this episode so in one of your recent posts and i just want to ask you some about something that you uh, posted about recently you had a checklist for healthy eating and one of the tips that you uh wrote about was quite interesting it is called replace your triggers with healthy options uh could you elaborate on that a little? I found that quite uh, thought-provoking. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people have different triggers, right? Triggers in the sense um, you could get stressed and that could be a trigger. You sure. can be happy, that can be a trigger. You're uh, upset. So uh, food is, uh, you know, the food choices we make have a lot to do with our emotions. Um, and here, like now... It, well, while we understand that, yes, we eat because of certain emotions, it's also important to have the right foods on hand sometimes. Sure, sure. Right? Because uh, a lot of times uh, people don't make the right choices because one, um, either they don't have the awareness, but sometimes they just don't have the right food stocked up in their pantry. Yeah. If you are feeling uh, upset and the first thing you do after opening your fridge is if you see a big bar <laughs> of chocolate or right. that piece of cake lying in, you're not bound to make a healthy choice, sure. right? So uh, it's important to sort of also have healthier options because um, let's face it, not everyone can remove the stressor in their life, yeah. right? But you have to learn how to manage that better. So, um, so that's where we sort of come in and provide healthy options. So for example, if you're someone who just loves eating potato chips, uh, maybe think of having makhana, which is, yeah. uh, you know, the desi popcorn, yeah. right? A lot of times that... Um, uh, people uh, sort of tend to uh, take a liking towards it. So it's not that you have to be stuck with potato chips all your life. Or if you are really craving something sweet, um, some some of them do really well just having a fruit. Hmm. Some of them uh, might uh, do like one of these flavored yogurts and yeah. be equally satisfied. Right. Uh, while both of them have sugars, it's not as much as eating like a piece of cake. And yeah. it might still help them, you know, um, uh, satisfy that craving or trigger that they have right. so yeah uh, so it's just important because otherwise the trigger can also become habit forming because every mm -hmm. time you have a trigger and you do this it ultimately becomes a habit then it's not really a trigger <laughs> yeah. so that's why yeah. 
you just develop these sweet cravings all of a sudden and you can't get out of it yeah you know? yeah so been yeah. there <laughs> uh, i think all of us have we are all just humans yeah. and as uh, we've discussed on this podcast several times before a lot of our problems today we have our evolution and hunter gatherer instincts to uh, thank uh, thank yeah. for it and we are still trying to sort of get them used to life in the 21st century uh, shona this has been great so i just want to move towards the end of this and we'll take things a slightly lighter now and one of the things that i want to ask you somebody who who runs a, a popular instagram account uh, which is largely focused around health fitness etc um, i'm sure you got dms from all kinds of people asking you uh, to validate beliefs that they have or myths that they may have so what are some of the stranger ones that you you might have come across like something that like ha huh, where did this come from so any any surprising you know thing that probably originated on some whatsapp somewhere uh, which you come across <laughs> well uh, if you ask me strange stuff um, i think i do get questions like okay can i do intermittent fasting and keto both together you know can i like people want to sort of yeah. now one is hard enough but then they want to mix yeah, it yeah. up and do you know those kind of things and uh, but if it's with athletes um, you know uh, i would ask get ask questions like okay what have you given that athlete that you haven't given ah, me oh. because they're performing better <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> okay so sometimes they come from the parents sometimes they come from the athlete itself because they're exchanging notes they're looking at each other's plans but uh, everything is not just it, it doesn't come down to you know the food that you eat alone yeah. right so there are other factors but these are like some of the strange things i get asked <laughs> but you know apart from that there are obviously tons of different things with respect to sugars oils uh, uh you know diets how many cups of tea or coffee can i drink in a day yeah. or i would get asked something like is seven cups of tea and coffee okay hmm. to drink for <laughs> day so uh just you know random, random all sorts of things yeah the <laughs> fascinating just uh, imagine what that uh, looks like uh so uh, now ha- the time has come uh, shona we are, i'm pretty much out of questions so now i don't have a proper lead into this so now you have to tell us uh, your story which you promised us la- uh, earlier in the show <laughs> so how did you get all into right. Yeah. Uh so I was shopping at Lifestyle one day with my mom and uh you know just as we were exiting the store uh I saw this group of athletes uh, eating donuts. Okay, oh. So they all with like jerseys oh, wow. and just sort okay. of uh, yeah uh, sitting near uh, sitting at sort of crispy cream and having like a session. So I looked um you know past them and I just like sort of smoked and I uh, I went to my car my mom's like did you notice that they were like athletes and I was like yeah, yeah they were wearing jerseys and I'm sure they belong to a team she's like I think you should go and talk to them uh and I was like no it's okay it, it's going to look really stupid me going and yeah. you know uh chatting with them and she's like no just see you never know what comes out and then she actually made me go and sort wow. of hand out my card <laughs> okay so she's like uh yeah you never know what comes out of it and that's true what I ended up sort of getting at the end of it is um you know the contract to work with uh, one of the ISL uh, you know teams football teams so um so that's what uh, you know sometimes just making the right move can do in the most unlikely of circumstances yeah um yeah so uh, i went out i gave my card i handed it out to the right person i suppose cuz in a day i got a call um and it just went from then i think that was like a turning point for me 
And once I did that, obviously, then like I told you, the connects to different yeah. other experts happen. And um, yeah, over time, uh, that sort of, you know, led into working with the hockey teams with, uh, you know, Delhi Capitals. And yeah, so uh, that that's... Is- yeah, that is that is utterly fascinating. Um, yeah. Shona, thank you so much for your time on this. I mean, apart from the fun stories, but I think you've also given us uh, lots to think about. Uh, and also, at least for me, it's always interesting to look at what different professions in a sense do and that the nutritionist that I visit might not be the same or rather the advice I get might not be the same that a national level athlete gets. And even within that, there are so many reasons. Uh, I just want to end. It's not a question really for you but it's something i read on your site which i thought uh, was pretty nice and you say that this line acts as your inspiration following a healthy lifestyle and nutrition is not something that you do to add years to your life but to add life to your years and i thought that was a very very nice way of uh, you know just thinking about nutrition in general and healthy habits and what it can do for you uh, and your life later so shona thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on to wonder better time and sharing your uh, experience wisdom knowledge with us yeah, it was lovely chatting with you. And this is my first podcast. So thank oh, you. Oh, okay. Lovely. <laughs> Super. <laughs> A chat with Shona Prabhu. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, would urge you to check out uh, her Instagram account. That's Nutrify My Diet. It'll be linked out in the notes of this episode. And that's it for this week of One Rep at a Time. See you back next week for another week, another theme and all that. Enjoy your weekend, guys. This is Deepak, aka Chuck, signing off. Bye. You've been listening to One Rep at a Time by CultFit. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for sustainable weight loss coaching, check out the Cult Transform program on the CultFit app or website. See you on the next episode.